At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's real simple. Welcome you know, to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullen and Haw Show, 670 to score. Dan Weeders from the Chicago Tribune. He's at Ford Field. He was an eyewitness to the disaster that the Bears game was. 31 26 losers to the Lions, Dan. They were up uh, 12 with three minutes to go. They blow a lead. It was one of the worst losses of a season. I, I mean, I, I I remember, I keep going back to one of the games earlier. I, I had said that this was rock bottom, and you said, wait a second, hold everything. And and I hesitate to say that about today, but it seems difficult to imagine it being much worse than this. Well, this one is, is hard to wrap your brain around because, look, like you heard in our last podcast, the rant I had the last time the Bears were here at Ford Field, and they absolutely – played like a last place team that had no purpose, no progress, no anything, no direction. This wasn't that today. For two hours and 40 minutes, the Bears were the better football team. They were outclassing the first place Lions. They were playing with all of the elements that you want from a, a, a on the rise football team. They're creating takeaways. The quarterback after a month off was playing really well as both a runner and a passer. You were getting takeaways on special teams. Your kicker was making everything in sight. You had a chance to produce a statement win and a signature victory. And then the last four minutes and 15 seconds happened and you unraveled and you came apart in epic fashion and you did nothing right for four minutes and 15 seconds. And David being in that visiting locker room here and just seeing the, the, the dazed looks of disbelief on the faces of those players, it was just, it was, it was like hard to even wrap your brain around because the result made no sense with what you watched for most of the day. And to that end, uh, the numbers, the ugly uh, reality, uh, ESPN stats and info said that when the Bears had a 26 to 14 lead with 4.15 to go, they had a 98.2% chance of winning the game. To add to those numbers, longtime Bears radio uh, WMBP statistical guru Doug Coletti points this out. Since 1932, there have been 48 NFL teams who had a plus three turnover margin while possessing the ball for at least 40 minutes. And all of them had won that game until today. 
So this was a historically bad loss for the Bears. It's not the kind of history you want to make. And I would imagine it left more than a share of Bears players, coaches, executives, owners, fans, casual observers, dumbfounded. Before we get into those final four minutes and 15 seconds, I'll put you in my shoes for a few minutes because you know how difficult it can be to constantly go into these locker rooms that are full of dejection and discouragement and disappointment and anger and all the things that come with being a last place losing football team. And there's a point in the fourth quarter day where you're like, God, this is going to be a fun post-game locker room. You've got so many guys that you can go talk to. You can go talk to Tremaine Edmonds about coming back from his knee injury and getting an interception. You can go talk to Tyreek Stevenson about his pick and his forced fumble on special teams. You can talk to Justin Fields about how well he played coming back after the long layoff to DJ Moore about the touchdown catch that he made. There was just like no shortage of like positive moments and 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 like momentum and all the things that that are so rare for this team. And then four minutes and 15 seconds happen and you spend the entire post game. My column at Chicago Tribune.com is all about what this story should have been about and what it was about instead. And instead, it's about this collapse. It's about these four minutes and 15 seconds where the defense put up little resistance to the Lions final two drives. And then the Bears in their final two possessions uh, go three and out without taking much time off the clock, and then take a safety on a, on a strip sack fumble that Darnell Wright kicks out the back of the end zone. You know, that, that's it. And, and, and you hear from Jared Goff after the game talking about, like, it's so much nicer to be able to talk about playing bad in a win than it is to talk about playing bad in a loss and how he feels like the Lions have that that formula of resilience and, and toughness and the ability to rise up and take a day that's going sideways and put it in the right column. And you're just like, must be nice, must be fun. We'll get to Justin Fields in a moment, but there were two general themes, I think, which will dominate conversation on Monday, and likely should, because I think this was a game where your overall identity, your coaching culture, if you will, the impact of you know, the, the connection between the coaching staff and the players on the field, it, it surfaces. And I thought that when the Bears, first of all, gave up that 32-yard touchdown pass to Jameson Williams, that was a, a miscommunication that can't happen between two veterans. It was you know, a simple cover two zone defense, what Matt Eberflus described it, the yeah. way it saw unfold. They hit the hole right in the right between the two. Uh, you know, either Jalen didn't drop deep enough or Eddie didn't come off the hash quick enough. Either way, it's unacceptable in that situation. But I think it also reflected just how the Bears went from being pretty aggressive today against Jared Goff. They had forced, you know, three interceptions. And I think the pass rush was was evident to to being more of a a safe conservative um, zone type approach, and I, and I think that may have reflected it as much as anything. And, and I know that Matt Eberflus was asked about that post game. Well, look, a two score lead with four fifteen remaining should be safe. You can go into some prevent defenses, which most teams in the NFL do. You just have to make sure that, one, you tackle guys in bounds and you don't give away big plays that don't take much time off the clock. And so that touchdown shot between two veteran defensive backs who are supposed to be two of the best players on your defense, is, it's it's head-scratching. It's inexcusable. We go into the post-game locker room afterwards, and understandably, Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson are, are two feet from each other in side-by-side locker stalls, and they're staring into the wall. In, in total disbelief, and, and neither one of them was uh, readily available immediately after the game. Jalen Johnson eventually spoke, but it's just it's hard to imagine how the fundamentals break down in that situation where you allow a guy on a basic schoolyard corner route to get that much 
separation from the view up here, as you can see from uh, the upper reaches of the press box at Ford Field, you, you watch Jamison Williams coming open and you're like, oh my God, that's the easiest throw Jared Goff's had to make all day because there's, there's no decision involved. It's just that guy's open in the end zone and I'm going to, I'm going to let it fly. And then you look at who the two DBs were in coverage and you go, how? How? How, How does that, that happen? Yeah. But, but, but then, David, like that's still, it's still 26 to 21. Right. It's still 26 to 21. You have the ball, and now all you have to do is go meet a moment on offense or a moment on defense, and you walk out of here with a win. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I don't understand in that context, you got first and second down, and with due respect to Khalil Herbert, the best player on the field for most of the day was Justin Fields. And how do you not at least give him a chance to carry the ball and gain some yards, to get outside and stay in bounds as he kind of dances around? Anything, So anything. Uh, so let's talk about that sequence there because I think that's important because the first down run was an inside run to Khalil Herbert. You're trying mm-hmm. to pick up some yards and take some time off the clock. The second one is his own read. And so now it's Justin's decision here to see what he sees and make a decision there. So he sees the Lions in a five-man front, and he sees Derek Barnes, the linebacker, staying at home and, and playing him as, as a runner there. Now look, like I watched it five, six times back on the replay here, and Justin was very defensive of that play in the post-game press conference saying it was a good read, and I don't disagree with him. I think, it was a, I think it was the right read in terms of the instincts on what the play tells you you do. Now you watch it again and you say, hey, the best player on the field for the Bears offense today was Justin Fields. Maybe the right read isn't the right decision, if that makes right. sense to you, right? That's like so, exactly what so, makes sense to me. So, so maybe Justin needs to keep it. And Matt Eberfuss sort of indicated as much, and I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to what he said, but it, it seemed like they would have preferred him to keep it, get on the edge, try to win a foot race with a linebacker and then whatever DB was coming over the top and try to pick up the first then down. The tell field him game. to do that. That you can remove the option from the read option. You can call a designed run to get outside and tell him to stay in bounds. You can do everything in your power as a coach, as a play caller, to tell the best player on the field to keep the ball in his hands. If it's a basketball comparison, I don't want my point guard is shooting 43% from the field to take the shot if I've got somebody who's Mr. Clutch, you know, and is going to hit the shot. 
I, I don't understand these things. You can always defend it. Well, it's a read option, and he made the right read, and that's what they're going to say. You know what? Take it away from him because in that situation, I just feel like the Bears don't know how to do that. They don't know how to finish the job. They don't know how to eliminate all the other options and coach differently. It's like baseball. The playoffs are different than regular season. The final four minutes of every game, especially if you have a lead, are different from the previous 56. And the Bears can't get that because they've never experienced that. Well, look, they're, I think they're now 2-11 and 11 in one-score games under Matt Eberflus, so you want to talk about finish. The finish isn't there. They also go to third down after okay. that play, right? Third down. And yep. they've got third and 10. And now all of a sudden you've got an opportunity here to seal the game potentially with a dagger, with a deep shot to Tyler Scott. The initial read on that play is DJ Moore coming on a crossing route. But the minute that the safety, uh, uh, it was Walker, I think, of the Lions, comes charging down on the crossing route, the rule for the quarterback is to take a look at that at that deep throw. Tyler Scott's got separation. He, he's, he's, he had a he's step, a step. Dan. He and, had a and step. Just, and Justin threw a good ball. Justin was. threw a good ball that, that probably – should be caught. And for some reason, Tyler Scott seemed to decelerate a little bit. He seemed to lose his rhythm uh, as he's as he's running that route, and it just falls incomplete. And now all of a sudden, you've given this entire building that maybe 10 minutes before in real time was completely dejected and couldn't believe what they were seeing, the energy and the life to to propel the Lions to, to the, the game-winning score. I did not have any problem with that call. I actually like that call because I think if you're the Bears – you, you know, you do have to do the opposite of what conventional wisdom maybe dictates that you do. You're three and eight now. Oh, yeah. You haven't won a game in the division. I don't need to go through the, the list of futile so, things. Well, you, you have to, in that case, it was the right call. Tyler Scott didn't make the play. But I think that throughout the course of the game, those are two examples, two sequences that we're pointing out. The decision to kick the field going fourth and one is another one that I think if you're going to go for it, then go for it. So, I want to talk to you about that one because I want to get your perspective on this. First of all, you just mentioned you're a a three-win football team that's going nowhere fast. When you've got an opportunity to um, really put an exclamation point on your performance of the day, I think when you get stopped on third and inches, you go for it again on fourth and inches. Now, I tweeted right after that play, like I understand the logic because now by kicking the field goal, you go up two scores. You go up 23 to 14. What was crazy after the game is Matt Eberflus kept trying to explain it as if it was to go up 12, which was the field goal later, which was a fourth and five situation, which is the right call. At fourth and five, you kick the field goal. That was the right call. Fourth yes, and inches. That was not fourth and inches. I, he was confused. I saw that post game. Yeah. And, and and I kept trying to correct him just to because last week he was confused on the time at, at the end of the Panthers game. And you're like, okay, like, are you processing the game in real time the way you're processing it at the post game podium? If so, it's problematic if you don't know how to kind of reason through things in, in, in quick action. Um, but look, like, uh, the, the, you know, like going up two scores is understandable. Your defense is playing pretty well. And, you know, like I can go either way on the decision, but I do think to your point, as a three-win football team with a chance to be aggressive, with a chance to really make a statement, you just, you, you run something that gets you two feet. You know what I mean? You've got something in your playbook that gets you two feet. Your your defense playing pretty well at that point. It was fourth and one at the 23-yard line. And, and so you have, uh, is early in the fourth quarter. And, and it feels like that if you, if let's say worst case scenario, you don't make it, you're still going to feel pretty good about your defense who's controlling the game and has really had Goff's number up to that point. I'll tell you who would have gone for it is Dan Campbell. 
Right. No doubt. <laughs> and then the, the, the difference in, in the contrast couldn't be more stark. And, and post game, you know, I'm only sitting here watching, yelling at the TV screen during the podium. And I could hear you ca- trying to reason with him. He didn't know what you were talking about. Right. Right. And <laughs> like and it wasn't trying to, like, show him up. I was just no. trying to get, get to the situation so we could sound it through, you know, and that, that you know, anyway, that is what it is. And but like, look, like we okay. talked on our pregame podcast, right, about the fearlessness that the Lions have in big moments. They didn't play a good football game. And yet in the final four minutes they didn't have any doubt that they were going to meet the challenges that were there for them how uh you know predictable was it that the game-winning touchdown at that point would go to david montgomery the former bear the other decision i wanted to ask you about when the lions set up first and goal down there the bears bang a timeout understandable you're trying to preserve some time on the clock for your offense to have a chance to go down and do something with you know less than a half minute to go it's with 31 seconds to go that they call that timeout, but the lions didn't have any timeouts there. And so I was curious about the, the use of that timeout where you could kind of force them into a situation where they're going to have to scramble up to the line. They're going to have to, you know, maybe get a playoff with 20 seconds left and, and, and say they throw an incomplete pass there. Well, now, you know, you've got a chance to, to reset and, and potentially keep them from scoring that touchdown. So that was one of the questions I had about three in my notebook, including why Dan Feeney was playing center instead of Cody Whitehair Thank after you. the injury to Lucas Patrick. Those are, on the, those are on my docket for Monday because Thank there's you. stuff we didn't get to today. I tweeted that out and everybody asked about, well, you don't remember the, the snaps were bad. I, you know what? I mean, he's got 117 starts. So figure it out. Dan Feeney was lost and you, Justin Fields was screaming at him. Don't yeah. you think that called for something to be changed? Also, back to the touchdown. I agree that the use of timeouts was interesting. Here's what went through my mind on the play previous to Montgomery scoring. I thought was it Gibbs maybe that carried the ball, um, or maybe it was Montgomery. Whoever carried the ball on that previous play. That was Gibbs. Yeah, it was Gibbs. I wondered if they were going to try to let him score. Yeah. Because then, I mean, that would have given them more time only two, only two, only two more seconds in that situation. Yeah, I suppose because that's all it took. But seconds. it's yeah. funny because Bigsy and I called that draw play there because we said, "Look, like yeah, I think it was uh, something in three. Was it third and three or fourth and three in that situation to Gibbs?" And we're like, "Look, like this, this sets up for a perfect draw." And they they call the draw to Gibbs, and he gets it down to the one, and almost gets into your point. Bears bang the timeout right away there, and then Montgomery scores on the next play. Um, look like wild sequence. And and when you're in these games that are this close, every little thing matters. Every uh, dropped Jalen Johnson interception matters. Like we've yes. thrown bouquets at Jalen Johnson for a yeah. long time because of how well he, he closes uh, down other top Amy. receivers and how, how good he is uh, on the me. radio, Doc right? Me. Because, because yeah. he's got a good personality. He's good to talk about. Well, the, you know, obviously he doesn't quite get, in position to have that potential pick six early in the game. Not not a major flaw there, but for a guy that wants to get paid as one of the top corners in the league, it's a missed opportunity. And then the bigger one, the replays on the television didn't show as much as the replays on the video board here did and how easy that second interception would have been. Oh, it's a terrible right. throw by Jared Goff, and it seemed to hit Jalen Johnson right in the shoulder pad. The all-22 will come out on that, and you'll look at it, and you'll go, my God, like that's a play that, like, I, I you know, this building, I remember the 2018 Bears coming in here, uh, creating takeaways, uh, you know, dancing to everything in the end zone, and yet Eddie Jackson picked six to win that game five years ago. Jalen Johnson's got, an opportunity there, you know, you and it's, catch a, it. it's a payday opportunity. Catch it's, it. 
It's Get like it. a mental block. It's like a mental block. You know, it, it could have really changed the course of this game had he had either one of those two picks. Rough day, and he had a 34-yard pass interference penalty early yeah. in the game as well. Rough day. Okay, we wanted to get you out of there, so a couple of things before we go. First of all, we need to address Justin Fields. Yeah, let's talk about Justin. Studs yeah. before the, the three-word reviews. Justin Fields, I think we both referred to him as the best player on the field on Sunday, uh, and I felt like the first you know, the first drive, and we'll, we'll talk about this more this week, was like exciting and indicting at the same time. You know, you're full of excitement and regret because of what he did. And then the overall takeaway was, well, why wasn't he doing this from day one? And what would the season might have been had they gone to this? You know, it was a really well-designed drive. Yeah. He was a very um, efficient. Uh, I thought he, he, for a guy who hadn't played in a month, it showed in his energy and his, you know, <laughs> his legs. He was all revved up and ready to go. Sharper than I expected. Missed a couple deep throws, but boy, Dan, Justin Fields um, deserved better than that loss today. I had some some plays highlighted in my notebook that we can talk about uh, tomorrow when we get a little deeper into the the quarterback performance. But like it was, Justin was asked after the game, "Did the long layoff affect you?" And he smiled and said, "Yeah." It affected me positively. He's like, I felt fresh. It felt like the season opener. My body felt good. He felt it, it energized to be back in there. And it showed, as you mentioned, there was just, there was a, 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 an energy to everything he was doing. I think his career high, with the finish with 18 carries. I know he's yep. over 100 yards again, yep. 104 yards. Um, and, and like you said, that first drive, they just got him on the move. They made him comfortable. They got him into a groove right away. And it was important to establish that comfort. There was a first half deep shot to DJ Moore on a post throw that I tweeted about immediately when it happened. It was like, DJ He's got a step and you didn't give him an opportunity to even go up for a 50 50 ball you know you've got to give him a chance well later in the game he climbs the pocket Back, and yep. justin typically is going to take off in that situation tuck it run it get 14 yards and, and use fuel and he and he sees dj Moore, and he throws a better ball and it's a touchdown and there were like three or four throws today where the eyes up vision down the field created completions that were were you know absolutely impressive for the Bears offense and showed what Justin can be capable of if he continues to grow. They're going to go back and look at this film and go, okay, like this, this is, this is another positive performance. He's got to go to Minnesota next week and back it up against a defense that obviously flustered him uh, when he got injured. But man, there was, there's some stuff today that, that you, you look at it and you go, there's a lot to build on there. I, don't, I obviously don't, you, I don't think you want to plan on him running the ball 18 times every game, but given the way the Lions were defending him and, and his ability to, to use designed runs and then only a, uh, you know, a handful sprinkled in a handful yep. of scrambles, including the 29 yarder, which, uh, he, you know, he finishes off with a slide and he starts breaking into dance moves, you know, like he was, he was feeling it. He was definitely feeling it. And there's a connection between how well he runs. And I think how, how well he throws because of the confidence factor. Last thing on, on fields, I think is very interesting. It is a conundrum because to get the most out of him and get him closer to reaching his potential. I think you have to do things like, be willing to run him 18 times. It's not something you want to necessarily do every week, but until somebody stops you, I think you try it every week until somebody does stop it and you have to adjust and then chess game begins. So he was at, he, he was very, very good today. And I was a little surprised that he rose to the occasion as well as he did. And I think it's, it's not answering the question definitively. It's one seventh of what we talked about going into this game. And it's all part of 
what will be the, the pile of evidence at the end of the year they'll use to evaluate what the future will hold. They got to figure out how to finish. They really do have to figure yeah. out how to finish. And I think like, you know, today they, they, uh, the Tyreek Stevenson forced fumble on the kickoff return. They turned that into a short field touchdown. But other than that, those other takeaways, they didn't squeeze enough points out of them. I think they had 10 points off of four turn takeaways. Uh, got to be better than that. You just, you just have to be, you don't have a margin for error to uh, overcome that if you don't get enough points out of that. But man, yeah, I, as it relates to Justin, incredibly encouraging afternoon for him uh, in, in just about every facet. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll bring in studs with a couple three-game reviews and to let him start to unload his uh, his pile of uh, frustration because there's it's pretty it's pretty high. I know I know you're pretty frustrated after today, studs. Well, yeah, I just I'm a lot less frustrated than I was a few hours ago. So I. I, I do want to say that I do want to retract a little something I had on. I went on a little bit of a Twitter rant after Uh-oh. the game in regards to in, in regards to Justin Fields, and I want to make it clear that I do not blame Justin Fields for the Bears losing this game. Like I was lamenting him having another bad turnover with a chance to go win the game, and I didn't make that clear enough on Twitter. So I hope that everyone that's listening to this realizes that like I was lamenting the fact that he keeps turning the ball over in bad spots, and that was that was what I was trying to get across. And it's hard to do as, as, as Dan, you've talked about multiple times. It's hard to do in 150. Yeah, it, was, it was almost like on that last snap, he bit the pin off the grenade and rolled the ball into the end zone. <laughs> it's fine. Yes. See, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, <laughs> on that play specifically, if Darnell Wright were a bouncer and Justin Fields club, right. he'd be fired. Not good. He'd be right. fired. Not good. And Aiden Hutchinson so, got him. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, and Darnell Wright had done a pretty good job against Aiden Hutchinson all day up until that play. So, so I, I hope that that made that clear. So, anyway, do you guys want some three word reviews? Because yep. they're all very coach specific. I know uh, that I looked at a here. couple while I was waiting for Eberfus to come to the podium, and there were yeah. a lot of them as, that, that used the word fire. So, I'm expecting you to yeah. read a few of those. As, as, as we scroll down, uh, fire the coaches. W, there's a lot of WTFs. WTF, WTF. Remarkably <laughs> awful coaching. Fire the coaches. Perfect loss, and, and perfect loss does make sense if you're if you're doing the tank thing again because the Giants won today, so that does help the Bears if you're looking at that sense. Uh, another WTF? Comically <laughs> predictable ending. Fire the staff. Could be coaching. Bad news Bears. Fire the coaches. I mean, I'm just reading these orders, guys. <laughs> so, I, I do think I do think I think we're, we're up probably, over 500 replies again, so the people wow. are, are okay, feeling their emotions. Good. I, so, I think, so I think bottom, bottom, go ahead. Oh no, yeah. no. Bottom line is, I don't know how you move forward with this stuff. I just don't. Well, I here's well, here's think, here's one of the three word reviews that says twelve I don't, division losses. That's twelve division yeah. losses in twelve attempts. Okay, right? so they're only that's, twelve now in the division. And as we mentioned, in eleven in one score games. I mean, at a certain point, the evidence adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't keep losing division games and keep your job. You just can't. And like, if you're if yeah. you're Kevin Warren. If you're Kevin Warren, at some point you have to say enough of this. Like I, I, I don't disagree. I don't this. disagree with that. I think I think part of it is too. 
you know, last week that we went into this game, Justin Fields' future is always going to be a topic of conversation. Last week, it was the main one. I think that shifts a little bit this week. I think now you start to look at not that the Fields' future has been answered, but it, he played well. But this team was not coached to win, and they don't know how to win. And I think when you're 28 games into a head coach's tenure, these have got to start to raise some real critical problems and issues and questions for Kevin Warren, for Ryan Poles, for George McCaskey, whoever. So that's probably the way this is headed in terms of the conversation, I think, just based on experience. We'll see. But Matt Eberflus is going to have a very difficult time explaining this one away. Yeah, there's no question about it. We'll hear from him again Monday. As we mentioned, David, we've got a few more questions that we didn't get to today. Always good to be able to, to circle back on those. Um, yeah, I mean, look, like it, it, it's it's hard to walk out of this building and comprehend what the final result of this game was. Because, again, the, the Bears had the ball for more than 40 minutes today, David. They, they controlled the clock. They won the turnover battle. The quarterback played well. The defense was humming. Somehow you walk out of here with a loss. Yeah, if you just told somebody before the game, Justin Fields is going to play well and be the best player on the field. The Bears are going to control the football for 40 minutes. They're going to win the turnover battle 4-1 to one <laughs> and lead by 12 with three minutes to go, but lose? I mean, how does that happen? And they're going to be asking that question. This one's going to leave a mark, and I think that uh, – uh, unfortunately, we've, we've said that before, so you start to sound redundant. But this got one's a lot of marks, there. right? There's a lot of marks. There's a lot of marks. A lot of marks. Okay, so I'll let you get out of there, Dan. Um, what we'll do is we'll drop another podcast on Tuesday morning. This one's going to be out Sunday night for our reaction. Thank you for tuning in to the Take the North podcast. For Adam Sudzinski, Dan Weeder at Ford Field, I'm David Hall for the Mullen Haw Show. Talk to you on Monday morning starting at 530 and Dan, you're on with uh, the midday show. Homes at noon, yeah. Okay, first yep. Homes at noon. Check out Dan's column at ChicagoTribune.com. Check out mine at 670thescore.com. And we will talk to you next time on the Take the North podcast. Great talk, see you out there.